This week in our study, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. But before we get into that chapter, I want to remind you of a few things from the previous chapter, what we looked at last week. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, we are told there, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And we see that some of that mindset that he had in verse 8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 9 says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And we see that at that name, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. We see this is the name of Jesus, this exalted name of Jesus. We are called to have that same type of mindset that he had. We're called to be humble. And in Philippians chapter 3, I think what we see in this chapter is kind of a continuation of that. You know, what does that really look like if we, as humans, if we have that same mindset that Christ had? Because yes, he was a human, he is a human, but he's also God. So he is the same as us, but then there's also some differences as well. So from a human perspective, what do we get? What do we learn? What does that look like? Philippians 3. The first six verses kind of lays this out for us. Paul continues and he says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself has reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So Paul lists all of these things. And, you know, he's, he's got some pretty, pretty impressive credentials right here. But notice what he's talking about from the very beginning of this chapter. He says, you know, look, it's no trouble for me to write these same things to you again. And it's actually a safeguard for you. You know, if you want to know why sometimes you might go to church and it might sound like the preacher is preaching on the same types of things that he did maybe even a week ago, maybe a year ago. Well, it kind of goes back to this. Because it's really no trouble to be reminded of these things. You know, after all, we are humans. Our, our minds, our memories, they kind of fade. And we, we have to be reminded of these things from time to time. It's a safeguard for us to be reminded of them. And specifically during Paul's day, what they needed to be aware of is these people who, as he's talking about, you know, these mutilators of the flesh, you know, they're, they're claiming to be something special of, of being of the circumcision group. And Paul says, look, we're looking at this the wrong way. Circumcision has very little anymore, at least, to do with a physical thing at all. But he changes the definition. In verse 3, uh, really, he uses the definition that Jesus used. And that is that, look, you know, we're, we're part of this inward group, this, this inner circle group. If we serve God by his spirit, and if we are ones who can boast in Christ Jesus, you see right there the the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all wrapped up in together uh, in one here in verse 3. We see that we're called to serve God. We're called to participate in this, this service, this worship, by His Spirit. We're also called to boast in Christ Jesus. 
Now, you know, we don't need to be boasting of these physical things, you know, then that's what he's going into. He says, you know, look, uh, some of these people that are uh, causing at least Paul problems at that time, you know, you, you remember from uh, the very first chapter, he says, look, some people are trying to preach the gospel because they think it's going to hurt me. You know, okay, if, if that's really their motivation, you know, whatever. I'm just happy that the gospel of Christ is being proclaimed. That's what Paul said in chapter one. And right now he's saying, look, you know, they claim they've got all this confidence. They claim they've got all these credentials. You know, okay, that's great. You know, I'm going to boast in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says. And I think that's a wonderful lesson for us to learn that we don't need to boast in these, these physical accomplishments or these, these, uh, these different things like what Paul could have boasted upon. He says, look, okay, I've got this list. Yeah. Okay. I've got these credentials, but he says, that's not what's important. What is important is I'm willing to serve God by his spirit. And I boast in Christ Jesus. That's the important thing. He lists what he has and yeah. Okay. He can rank uh, among, you know, the rest of them, but he says that doesn't need to be the focus. See, it's not wrong for us to have these human credentials. Okay. It's, it's great. If you have, you know, a long list of, of, you know, nice things, you know, maybe in, in today's world, you know, you could, uh, you could kind of, uh, talk about how, uh, well, you know, you've been raised in a Christian home and, you know, you've, you've, uh, learned the scriptures from very early on. And, you know, all of those things are actually pretty good, you know, just like really this list of Paul's things, those are good things. But if that's what you rest on, you're missing the point that, look, go back to verse three. Look, we're part of this circumcision. We're part of this, this chosen one, the children of God. If we serve God by his spirit and if we boast in Christ Jesus, that's where our focus needs to be. That's why Paul will continue on after listing his credentials. He'll say this, verses seven through 11. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So now he says, look, I've got the list, okay? Paul says, I can run with the best of them. But he says, I consider those things lost for the sake of Christ. You know, it's comparison. It's the same types of concept that Jesus used whenever he said, you know, look, unless you hate your, your father or mother or, you know, your family, your brothers and sisters, unless you hate them, you can't be my follower. He's not saying that we have to hate our family. He is saying that by comparison, it, it doesn't even stack up at all. The type of love that we should have for any human being compared to the love that we should have for our God. And right here, he's saying, look, I've got this list of great things, but it doesn't even stack up at all compared to Christ and compared to following Jesus Christ, you know, knowing him. That's what he says also in verse eight, he's talking about these things. And he says, look, all these things before I consider them as garbage. That, that's the language that's used right here in, uh, in the middle of verse eight, or sorry, at the end of verse eight, he says that I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. That's where his focus was. And really that's where our focus needs to be too. We, we see that that thought continues on that it's not just about gaining Christ, but and be found in him. Is that where your focus is? 
You know, this is a time that we're going through this chapter, and I think it's very important that we kind of examine ourselves at this point and to see, can we say these same things? You know, can we say that, that whatever we had, uh, physically speaking, you know, that's all well and good, but it's really like garbage. It's like trash. It's worth nothing compared to gaining Christ, compared to being found in Christ. That was Paul's focus. Is that our focus today? It really should be. He says in so many different ways that I want to know Christ. I want to know this power that Christ has. We see that he's talking about being raised up from the dead. And all this is wrapped in with this power of God, this knowing Christ. That's why Paul will continue on and say these things now. Verses 12 through 16. He says, um, I'm going to back up to verse 11. He says, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Then he says, not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenly, uh, heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So now in this section of this chapter, we see that, you know, he, he recognizes he hasn't attained all these things. You know, he doesn't have this resurrection of the dead just yet. You know, okay, the, those haven't been accomplished within his life. But he says, I'm, I'm pressing on toward those things. You know, sometimes we need to appreciate the journey. Uh, and it will also help us better appreciate, you know, the destination. Because right now we are on this journey. We are on this journey following in the footsteps of Jesus. We need to learn how to not just think of, okay, well, what's at the very end? Uh, th that's not the right way to look at it. That's not the right way to look at this journey, this life that we are living in the way of Christ. We need to be people who will examine, you know, every single day, you know, what are we doing right now? Are, are we actually pressing forward and following in this footsteps of Jesus Christ? Are, are we able to do those things? Are we able to focus on this goal? He says a couple different times, you know, he says, but I press on to take hold um, in verse 12. In verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal. So he's saying that he just keeps going forward. You know, he doesn't he doesn't always focus necessarily at the very end, although, you know, that's something that, that that's nice uh, motivation. But but really, we need to be pressing toward that. We need to be making changes in our everyday lives to where we continue to follow in this footsteps of Jesus even better than what we have in times past. We need to press on toward this goal. We need to continue on. We need to have the same type of focus. And he says, look, all of us, if, if we're going to be mature, if we're going to be uh, growing in Christ as we should, then we should be people who take such view of these things. That's kind of interesting that he, he sort of uses that because many times Paul is not really going to tell you, well, you know, this is, this is how you should believe. But, you know, here we actually see that's what he says. He says you should take such a view of these things. But then he also says, you know, look, if you find out that you're thinking differently, that too God will make clear to you. 
And I think sometimes we need to really appreciate what this passage is telling us. You know, that is that God did not just give us the Bible, just hand us the Bible and just say, well, good luck. Hope you can figure it out. That's not our God that we serve. The God that we serve, we see, is actively involved throughout the Bible, throughout the pages of the Bible, and he's also actively involved in our lives today, in guiding us. He's going to help make these things clear to us. That does not mean that we're going to know everything, but it does mean that God will help make these things clear. You know, sometimes that that doesn't mean that we're going to know everything, you know, all at once. When you become a Christian, it's not like everything is just going to, to make sense. There is this growth process. When you become a Christian, you become a child of God. You become a babe in Christ, if you want to you know, use that, that terminology. Babies are called to grow. We have to grow in Christ. We see that, that God is going to make these things clear to us. God is going to be there for us. He's going to help us. He's going to guide us. Our job is to keep pressing forward, to keep going toward this goal. Not always just waiting until the goal has been reached, but appreciating this journey this pressing forward. We also see that he uses the term about straining toward what is ahead. You know, forget what's behind, straining toward what's ahead. You know, the way of Christ, it can be described as a little bit of a strain, a little bit of a struggle from time to time. You know, most things in life, if they really are worth having, uh, they take a little bit of stress or strain or, or struggle uh, to get there. You know, some type of obstacle or whatever. Anything that is just a little too easy, a lot of times it is kind of too easy in this life. And I would say that even being a Christian is not something that that is uh, necessarily an easy thing. I mean, on the one hand it is, in the sense of, you know, God has already done all these things and he's just asking us to follow him. I mean, that's simple to understand. But actually doing that and actually following God and becoming more and more like the image of Christ, the image of God, now that is a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more of this strain. He's using right here this, this concept about this goal, this concept of, of uh, forgetting what's behind, you know, looking forward. Um, that image can be very uh, easy for us to recognize if we think about this in, in the sense of, you know, it's an athletic illustration that he's using right here about uh, what the goal is, you know, about this prize that is ahead. You know, if you're running a race, the way to run forward is not by looking back and, and seeing what you've already accomplished. It's by moving forward, by looking forward. And that's why he says, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead. Where is our focus? Which direction? Are we, are we living in the past? Are we looking backwards? Or are we looking forward? Are we heading forward? Are we following in these footsteps of Jesus? God is there. He'll help us. He'll make these things clear to us. We need to live up to what we have already attained. We need to keep pressing forward. That's what Paul says, and that's the example that we learn from him. Uh, speaking of the example, I think it's not by accident that Paul goes into looking at these examples, these physical examples, um, these, these personal examples of Christians. Verses 17 through the end of this chapter, Paul says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, 
Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So we see that, that what Paul is saying is, you know, learn from his example. And guess what? He says also in verse 17, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And I want you to think about that. You know what? You might even want to get out a piece of paper and make a list of some Christians in your area, you know, at your church or, or that are, you know, kind of in, in your circle of, of Christians. I, I don't know how I want to maybe kind of say that, but those that maybe you are around. And I want you to perhaps even make a list of those and think about them and then actually keep your eyes on those who live like the Apostle Paul did. Let's learn from their models. Now, also be aware they are humans. And you might find a time or two whenever they're not following the way of Christ. He's not saying that you need to follow those examples. But you know what? Maybe you should... Keep following them and see, okay, how do they return to Christ? If maybe they do get off the path, how do they come back to Christ? But we can most certainly think about some people in our churches. And, and typically these are going to be, you know, some of your older Christians, the one who have been around for a, a time and who have kind of seen things and endured this way of Christ. Keep our eyes on those people. Maybe make that list and, and maybe kind of make an effort to, to pray for those people. And maybe even ask them uh, for some help and, you know, see how they live their lives and learn from the way they live their lives. And also, you yourself strive to become that type of model. I know sometimes it's a little weird thinking about, you know, well, hey, I want you to look at me and look at the way I'm living my life and, and do the same type of thing. You know, that can be a little weird to us sometimes. We, we think about that. But you know what? If we think of it instead as some Christians who have experienced these things, experienced what it means to walk in the, the footsteps of Jesus and, and to follow the way of Jesus, then doesn't it make sense that, that they've grown, that they've learned things, and that they can share the things that they've learned with other people, newer Christians, who need to also continue to press forward? But sadly, Paul also knows that there are some people who now they live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He speaks about this sometimes in his letters, doesn't he? He speaks about people who, for one reason or another, they turned away from Christ. He speaks pretty harshly in verse 19 about them, but he ultimately he says that their mind is set on earthly things. They've lost their focus. He says, but that's not what we are called to be like. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Now, the church at Philippi knew very well what citizenship was, was all about because it just so happened that whenever you were uh, born in the area of, of Philippi, you know, the city of Philippi, you would be a Roman citizen because they had Roman citizenship. Now, of course, this, this goes back to, you know, a long history and everything, and I'm not going to get into that history, but just kind of know that, that these Philippians, they knew what it meant for their citizenship to be somewhere else, like in the sense of their citizenship was uh, in Rome. Now, that didn't mean that they were, you know, had to even travel to Rome. In fact, you could be born in Philippi 
And as far as I know, at least, you could go your entire life and never go to Rome and still be a Roman citizen. That's because your citizenship had to do with you know, how you were born. And whenever we are born of God, born into this family of God, our citizenship is in the realm of God. It's in heaven. So, you know, whether or not, you know, you, you've kind of been to that location in the sense of Rome, okay? You know, obviously it's, it's going to be different with heaven. But um, uh, in the sense of Rome, whether or not you've been to Rome, you were still a citizen of Rome. So, you know, whether or not we've been to heaven, so to speak, I guess, you know, you don't have to make a trip to heaven in order to become a citizen of heaven. It just means that, you know, look, you've been born as this family of God. Our citizenship is in heaven. And because of that, we're, we, uh, he says that we eagerly await a savior from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our savior, his citizenship is in heaven. In fact, you know, his realm is in the realm of heaven. And we are waiting for him to come. And whenever he, he came the first time and he's going to be coming again, we see that he came in this power. He came in this strength. He showed us the way to follow him. And we see that he's going to do something great whenever he comes back. Whenever he comes back, that's what we see in verse 21, that when he returns, whenever we see this, this that we are waiting for right now, this Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, whenever he comes, we're going to see that power again. We're going to see that power that this last phrase here is that he will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. I think it's wonderful whenever we look at the gospel accounts and see what it was like after Jesus raised from the dead. I think that same body that Jesus was raised up with, that he had after he was raised up from the dead, is the same type of body that you and I are going to receive. You know, that's what, that's what this is about, this, this power that God has. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are awaiting our Savior, Jesus Christ who by his power is going to transform our lowly bodies so that we can be like his glorious body. We need to be following in the footsteps of Jesus. We need to be living our lives as a way that, that other people can model them as well. We need to seek those people who can model the lifestyle of Jesus. Learn from them and become one of those eventually. So this chapter is this wonderful chapter that talks about this power of Christ and the power of Christ that it, that it changes us. That everything that, that is worthy, uh, wor worthwhile or what we consider worthy in this life, it's nothing compared to gaining Christ, to holding on to Christ. Paul said, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I hope that you and I can live our lives in such a way that we can say the same types of things that Paul says in this chapter. 